The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So I want to open my message in a way I have never opened a message before. And I need everybody, including those of you that are joining us at all of our campuses, to participate with me. And so I need you to get something out that you can write down your answers uh, with, all right? So that means either a piece of paper or your smartphone. Just open up an email or a note. I want you to write down your answers, all right? Now, here's how you're going to answer this quiz. You're going to create a range, all right? So as an example, here, here's what I'm going to do. Like, what is the current population of the United States of America? Now, don't shout it out. I want you to create a range in your mind. So here's how you're going to answer this. The goal is that you're going to create a range so that you are 98% accurate, meaning you are really, really confident of your answer, but you're not absolutely guaranteed that the answer is going to fit. Meaning if you just wrote zero to infinity, you're going to be right every time, okay? So here's, I want it to be, I want to give you a little room for error. So for example, if you're really confident in how, how accurate you are with the population in the United States of America, you might narrow your range. So just to give you a heads up, it's about 325 million 700,000. And so you might write, it's between 300 million and 330 million. If you, have no, if you had no idea that it was that number, you might have actually put like, I don't know, you're gonna put 1 million to 500 million. You guys get the idea? Y'all with me, y'all have something to write with. Everybody, even those of you that are online with us, but at all of our campuses, I want you to participate. All right, everybody ready? Some of you have, don't have pens out, you don't have your phone out, so you, you're, you're going to memorize your answers. Is that, is that your plan? Okay, here we go. First question. Remember, you're answering with a range. Okay. How many miles long is the Nile River? Don't shout it out, some of y'all. All right, just write it down, your range. Okay, good. I feel like I need music in the background to like... Do, 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 do. All right, here, ready? All right, we're gonna keep going. How many life forms are on or in the average person's body? How many life forms beside you are on or in your body? Think about it, like bugs, bacteria, viruses, right? Those are all different stuff. And we were just like, how many are there on or in you on average? Y'all got this so far? You're creating a range. Don't cheat. We, we do have a special prize for those of you that win. We're going to give you more Cheez-Its. All right. Except those of you that are joining us online. You have to go into your, your cabin and get your own Cheez-Its. Um, all right. So one more, how many works, musical works of Johann Bach have survived to this day? So how many musical writings did he do that still exist today? Again, you're creating a range. All right, now one more. Just write down yes or no. I believe I am an above average driver. What's so funny? We do have some police officers. They're going to help us out. 
going to run your records. They're going to tell us whether you're above average or not. Okay, now, you all want the answers? Here we go. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to shout it out. And then you're going to raise your hand if your answer fit within that range. Remember, your goal was to get about 98% accurate. And so real quick, uh, at all of our campuses, cheer really loud if you feel confident about your ranges. All right, right now, just go ahead. You feel pretty good. Really? Those of you at our other campuses, would you just cheer really loud because these guys, they're not, either they're just not paying attention or they're not working with me. Go ahead, shout it out, like right now. Woo! All right, so here, here we go, right? How many miles uh, in the Nile, how many miles long is the Nile River? 4,132. Raise your hand if your answer came into that range. Raise your hand real high. Hey, all of our campuses, right now, you're gonna raise your hand really high and say, yeah, me, me, me. 98% at, what did you write down? 10 miles? Okay, all right, like five of, five of you got it right. All right, how about this? Uh, how many life forms are on your body or in your body? The answer is 90 trillion. No! All right. Some of you just got totally freaked out. Yeah, you wanna hear something crazy? Did you know there are little mites that live on your eyelashes and they embed deep into the follicles and they live there and they eat dead skin? Who knew? In fact, your body is an ecosystem. Yeah, it's supporting a lot of life. It's like an entire planet on its own. So, hey, real quick, how many of you, raise your hand, all, all of our campuses, raise your hand if your answer got into that range. Yeah, give it up for these crazy people who wrote, who wrote 500 trillion as an answer. You're insane. Some of you wrote infinity, I know it. All right, one more. Uh, how many works of Johann Bach survive to this day? The answer is 1127. Right? That guy was a, who was a nut. He just was writing all, I mean, most of them were like happy birthday. But uh, anyway, how many of you, raise your hand again, all of our campuses, if your answer fell into that range? Like three of you that studied Johann Bach in college. You're fantastic. Okay, now, remember I told you 98% accurate. So raise your hand if, you, if all of your answers fell within the range. Raise your hand. Zero. Any of our campuses, help us out. Man, we need somebody. Okay, one more time. Raise your hand if you are a driver. You actually are allowed to drive a vehicle. Raise your hand real, real high so everybody can see it. All of our campuses, raise your hand real, real high. Now keep your hand up if you said that you are an above average driver. <laughs> Do you see what happened? Like. 85% of you still have your hand up. Well, you, everybody can't be above average. Only like three of you put your hand down. That's because you just wrecked your car. Okay. What did we just illustrate? What I showed you was what psychologists call the overconfidence effect. There is actually a part of our nature, and it's, this is not unique to America, although many people think it is. Uh, we're just naturally more confident than the rest of the world, even if we're wrong. But the overconfidence, which is the whole point of the overconfidence effect. It means you are more confident than your knowledge base should allow you to be. 
You are wrong, but you're confident in your wrong answer. And interestingly, the higher your education level and the more of an expert you are in a field, the more likely you are to be overconfident in a wrong answer. And interestingly, there is no such thing as an underconfidence effect. Just stop and scratch your head for a minute. Okay, so what is the point of this? Interestingly, this idea of overconfidence affects all areas of our life. It's why we say, it's not fair. It's when we, so when we're giving out ice cream at home and one of the girls gets a little less than the other one, she goes, hey, hey, it's not fair. I should get more. And when we say it's not fair, it's a statement of the overconfidence effect that we believe we deserve better or more than someone else because we have equated our value and determined that we deserve something that someone else does not deserve or we at least deserve our fair share or our fair treatment. So this affects relationships. This affects how we handle our boss or our employees. This is how we drive down the road because we believe that it's only fair that that car should let us in because I have somewhere to go. And where I am going is at the very least equally important to where you're going, if not more important, because you have no idea that I'm trying to get to the hospital. See, it's my sense of confidence of my worth compared to your worth. This affects our spiritual life. And so let me give you an example. You, you would agree with me that this example doesn't sound fair. Think about it, how Judas Iscariot's life ended and his eternal destination. Judas Iscariot gives up everything to follow Jesus follows Jesus for three years. He's so faithful that he's recognized as a standout leader and he is entrusted as the treasure with all of the money that, that uh, the disciples gather. And so he pays the bills, he takes responsibility to make sure the money is managed well. But at the very end of his life, meaning the last few days of his life, he conspires and then betrays Jesus, turning Jesus over to be crucified. With the money that he gains from betraying Jesus, he buys a field where he throws himself off a cliff and he's hung on the rocks and he dies taking his own life. And then Jesus is very clear that this man, Judas, went into eternal ruin. He, he made a few mistakes the very end of his life. Now let's flip it around. What about the thief on the cross? Here is a man who is a career criminal. He earns an income through violence and robbing people. He associates with the worst possible people in the community who abuse and mistreat. They take advantage of the poor. They cheat widows. And now as a result of his career as a criminal, he is sentenced to death on a cross. As he's going to the cross, he mocks Jesus, him and his other buddy that's gonna die on the cross as well. They, they, they come together and they're mocking Jesus. But at, at the last few moments of his life, watching the way Jesus is dying, 
He realizes what he's done. He realizes who Jesus is, and he doesn't even say, you know, Jesus, I believe in you by faith. Please forgive me of my sin. I accept you and give me new life. All he says is, Jesus, remember me when you go into your paradise. And Jesus' response is this. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It doesn't sound fair at all. It doesn't even make sense. Judas over here, three years, he serves faithfully and ends up in eternal judgment. The thief on the cross has a lifetime of shame, a lifetime of judgment, a lifetime of criminality, a lifetime of hurt and abuse and taking advantage of people. And in his last breaths, he says, remember me, and remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus says, you'll be with me today in my paradise. Unaware of these future moments. Jesus was teaching and one of his close friends, Peter, says to him, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get for it? And Jesus' response is this. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew who records the life and teachings of Jesus where he simply says this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29 through 30. He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And so Jesus is talking about the economy of heaven and the justice and the fairness of God. And then he goes on and tells a story to illustrate his point that he just explain to Peter and the followers and to anyone who says, man, I feel like I'm giving up everything and I just wanna know that I'm gonna get my fair share. Jesus tells this story. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, about 6 a.m., to hire men to work in the vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. By the way, I need to make a correction. Last week, I, when I was speaking, I shared the idea that a denarius, which is equivalent to about 15 cents in our understanding of money, uh, was like a really, really sub-minimum uh, wage. But uh, I, I made a mistake. The average day laborer would, would have made far less than a denarius. I mean, you have to work several days to earn a denarius. Uh, but in fact, a denarius was actually a pretty good day's wage. In fact, it's what a full-time worker, somebody who had a skilled job, was getting a full-time salary, what they would earn in a day. And so when this, when this um, landowner hires them and offers them a denarius for a day's work, it's actually maybe four to five times uh, the wage of a typical work day for a day laborer, somebody who's unskilled, somebody who's just waiting to get a job every day, living day to day. And so the, the uh, landowner is being very generous. And uh, he says, you know, here you go. And then here's what the landowner does. So the first group of guys, they're gonna work 12 hours and the, and the landowner is in a hurry to bring in his harvest. The reason he's in a hurry is he's got a vineyard and in this part of the country, they have terraced vineyards. And when the, when the harvest is ready, there's actually a very short amount of time until the rains will come and ruin the harvest. And so, so 
soon as it's ready, he's got to hurry up, get as many workers as he can to clear in the harvest before he loses the whole thing. And so at, he, he brings in the first group of workers at 6 a.m. They're going to work a 12-hour day. And then he gets uh, another group of workers at 9 a.m., another group at noon, another group at 3 p.m. And then finally he goes back in the 11th hour at 5 p.m. and hires the last group. Then within an hour, the day, the work day ends and Jesus is telling the story and he goes like this, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired. So the ones that got hired at 5 p.m., pay them first and going on to the ones who were hired first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came, who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them had also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them an equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, am I, not being, un am I being unfair to you? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I wanna give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. And what's Jesus' point? So Jesus tells these parables, these short little easy to understand stories to illustrate and to teach a profoundly deep spiritual point. And what Jesus is directly confronting is this psychological effect called the overconfidence effect where people believe they deserve something more than others. And the challenge he gives is simply this. He is inviting all of us, and this is what I want you to write down as you're taking notes. This is what you're gonna type into your smartphone or into social media. It's this, here's what he's teaching. Here's what he's challenging everybody with. Enjoy God's generosity. He's inviting all of us, every one of us, whether you work 12 hours or one hour, whether you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior at the very beginning of your life or at the end of your life, he's inviting everyone and anyone to enjoy God's generosity. Now, here is the thing. The reason why we want what we believe is fair is because we want more good than we deserve. But you notice that nobody believes or very rarely will somebody believe that they deserve more bad than they've already gotten. No, we all have this tendency to believe that I've received enough bad, now give me good. But what we've missed is that what we really deserve is far more bad than we've already received and far less good than we've already received. And right now, some of you are doing the calculation in your mind. You're like, Patrick, you have no idea what I've been through. You don't know the, the suffering I've experienced. You don't know the pain I've endured. Trust me, here is the reality and don't miss this. The truth is you and I deserve far worse than we could possibly imagine because of the driving, sabotaging force inside of every one of us, this spiritual sickness called sin. Sin, which has sabotaged us and cut us off from relationship with God. Sin, which separates us from God and eternal life and leaves us on a life trajectory toward eternal ruin, where we join Judas in eternal destruction. See, we deserve far worse 
than we could possibly imagine because we are far worse than we could possibly imagine. That's the bad news. But the good news and what Jesus is teaching in his story about these workers who come and are invited by the landowner to work in his vineyard is this. Jesus comes to give us what we do not deserve. The message of Jesus is not what's fair, it's faith. It's not based on what's fair, it's based on faith. When we believe in Jesus by faith, here's what we're believing in, that Jesus Christ came to earth. He took on our sin, our judgment, our eternal shame and guilt. He put it on himself so that he paid our debt, died in our place, suffered the judgment we deserved, and he paid our debt in full so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, not receiving what's fair, because what's fair is eternal judgment, but receiving what's by faith. And when you receive through faith in Jesus, the gift of God, the promise of eternal life with God, what comes with that promise is God's spirit, which enters into our spirit. And when God's spirit enters into us, we are transformed. We are not only forgiven and guilt and shame removed, but we are given new life and eternal life. And we begin to live different because God's spirit lives inside of our spirit. Now let's go back to the story and let's make sure we don't miss this one because Jesus, after he tells this story, he explains that his mission was to die for us. He said this, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He goes, the whole reason why I came was not so other people could take care of me, not so that other people would serve me, but I came to serve others and to give my life as the ransom, as the payment for many who would believe in me by faith. Now, let's go back to the story Jesus told and so we can understand how it applies to our life. When we believe in Jesus by faith, we become part of God's kingdom. His kingdom begins to grow inside of us first, and then his kingdom grows through us. God's kingdom is anywhere where Jesus has dominion, where Jesus rules. And so to understand the story, let's look, let me kind of quickly walk through the parts of the story so you can understand what we're even talking about. The landowner is God. The vineyard is God's kingdom. The workers are anyone who believes in Jesus by faith and accepts the invitation to follow him. That's the faith part, right? To simply follow Jesus. The payment, the denarius, is the, is the generous reward for believing in Jesus by faith, so it symbolizes eternal life and eternal paradise. The work day is our lifetime. Every one of us are given one lifetime to serve God. and and. The harvest is the work that God has called us to do to share with others the message of Jesus. And the end of day is the end of time. So that we will, at the end of time, at the end of our lifetime, and at the end of time, be invited into paradise where we will then receive the reward of faith in Jesus Christ, salvation, eternal life forever with God. And so to understand the story, let me make sure you, you don't, don't think this though. 
Here's what I don't want you to do. Go, oh, then I have to work to earn the denarius of eternal life. No, no, no. The whole idea is that God is far more rich toward us than we could possibly imagine. There was already a commitment by faith to follow Jesus, and then you're invited into the vineyard to work with Jesus with what he is doing. And so the response is really this. I am invited to enjoy God's generosity, so how do I enjoy it? So let me go back, and I want to just quickly challenge you with this passage so it kind of catches your attention. You go, okay, I get what we're doing here. Here we go, verse 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So here's what Jesus is saying. He goes, for Peter, disciples, for anybody who has been faithfully working following Jesus, you've been laboring hard. He goes, don't I have the right to give salvation to anybody I want? Don't I have the right to share eternal life with whoever I want? Or are you envious because I am generous toward people who don't deserve it? Even though I was generous to you when you didn't deserve it. And the point is this, we have to be willing to share in God's generosity. We share in God's generosity. We're invited to participate in it, to enjoy it. We receive from God's generosity, but then we can't get greedy with God's generosity. We have to understand that just like we received it freely, we didn't work for it, we didn't earn it, we have to accept that God is going to share his love, his eternity with others that we believe don't deserve it. Here is the deal. Nobody deserves it. You didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. And there are people right now that you're thinking of, they don't deserve it, but God is offering it. And so what is our challenge? Celebrate God's generosity rather than being greedy with it, rather than demanding your fair share of payment, well, I should get some better portion of heaven. They should have to get stuck in purgatory somewhere. That's where the whole idea of purgatory came from, that some people just aren't good enough to deserve eternity with God. So they have to wait a couple hundred years. No, 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 that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that all of us are undeserving, but through faith in Jesus, we are invited into what is not fair, but by faith, eternal life with God forever. And no one's going to spend any time in eternity paying for it. You're either going to go into eternal life or eternal judgment, simply based on your response to Jesus by faith or not. And so here is the deal. We have to be willing to celebrate with others the good gift of God. Recognize that God is generous. God is not cheating anyone. In fact, you will never outgive God. God will never give you less than he has promised. You will never go into eternity and go, oh, this was cheap. Oh man, that was fool's gold paving the streets. Well, what was that? that was, those aren't real pearls. Those are those fake kid pearls that make up the pearly gates. Come on. No, no, no. God is never going to give you less than he's promised, and God will always keep his promises, and he will always give you more than you could have possibly imagined. That's the beauty of this. We are far worse than we could ever imagine, but we are far more loved than we could dare to dream and because we are far more loved than we could ever dare to dream, God is being far more generous with us than we ever could deserve. 
And so let's learn to share in God's generosity by being willing to not only receive it, but by willing to share it with others. Some of you are being greedy with God's generosity. That's why you keep your mouth shut because you're intimidated or you just feel like others don't deserve it or you don't know how to share it. Hey, look, here's the deal. If someone gave me a billion dollars and then said, hey, the only condition is you gotta share half of it with others, Hey, I'm more than happy with $500 million that I didn't earn. And I'm more than happy to give it out, right? You wouldn't do it begrudgingly. You would do it happily. You'd be like, woo, I get to share $500 million, but keep the other 500 million? What? Right, that's the idea of sharing in the generosity of God. So not only do we share in God's generosity, but then there's this other part, and don't miss this. And, and so here's the challenge I wanna give you. Stop comparing and start sharing. Stop comparing yourself with others and start sharing God's generosity with others. Now let me read you a little bit more. Verse 13 and 14. Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And then Jesus wraps it up in his explanation in verse 26 and 27. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then he says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And the point is this, not only are we invited to share in God's generosity, but we are invited to serve in God's generosity. Don't miss this. You not only get to enjoy it and share in it, but you also have a responsibility to serve in God's generosity. The, the landowner went out and invited workers to work in his vineyard. Some worked 12 hours, some nine, some six, some three, and some only one. But the point is they all participated in the good work of the harvest. The harvest is the responsibility of anyone who believes in Jesus by faith. It's not relegated only to vocational ministers. It's not relegated only to the leaders of the local church. It's not relegated only to nonprofit parachurch organizations. No, no, the responsibility of working in the harvest is for anyone and everyone. And the harvest is about sharing and showing the love of Jesus with people who are far away from God. The harvest represents people who are far away from Jesus and we are gathering them in because the time is short short. So what is your responsibility in serving in God's generosity? It's this. Let, recognize that it is a privilege, not a punishment. Maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus at a very young age and you have been serving faithfully. It is a privilege to serve in God's harvest. It's not a punishment. This isn't a burdensome labor. It's a joy. Uh, for me, I, I wake up every day. I get the privilege of serving God with my life. This isn't a problem. It's a privilege. It's not pain. It's a passion. Okay, because here's the deal. You and I get the joy of living our life purpose. God has planted a spiritual destiny into every one of our lives, and we best live our destiny when we are participating in the great work of God. Our lives get to matter for eternity. We get to be about 
about something significant because we were willing to join in the work of the harvest. You will best find your life destiny and your life purpose when it is part of bringing in the harvest that God is bringing in for eternity. Your life feels like it matters most. This isn't just about social justice so that I feel good because I'm doing good. This is about doing good because it serves God's purposes. And so it's a privilege, not a punishment. Now I want you to imagine workers being hired. Imagine they knew at the end of the day they would all receive a denarius. How many of us, because of our overconfidence effect, psychologically built into us would have said, I'll wait till five o'clock. Some of you, that's exactly what you're doing. I will serve God when? Since I'm gonna get the same reward as everybody else, I'll just wait until 5 p.m. and say, sure, now I'll work. But you're missing the point. It's a joy to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. No, no, here is what I want you to understand, that you and I are uniquely gifted and we best serve God. We best find our life significance when we are fully obedient to God and working for God. And so I want you to hold nothing back. Don't hold back that aspect of your life. Don't hold back that relationship. Don't hold back your academics. Don't hold back your education or that area, that skill that you have. Don't hold back that talent and say, I'm gonna use that for me until the very end of my life and then I'll use it for God. No, no, right now, be open-handed toward God. God, I wanna hold nothing back from you. I wanna surrender everything I have to you because I recognize that my greatest desire is to serve you. And so here's the challenge then, serve while it is day. Give everything I have in this lifetime while it's day, while we still have time, right? We, we believe and understand that there will be an end to this life. And there will be an end to the world we live in. And so I wanna work hard while it is day. For me personally, I wanna give everything I have every day. I wanna go to bed exhausted. I wanna go to bed depleted. I wanna go to bed absolutely worn out because I gave everything I had and I exhausted my resources and I exhausted my strength. I gave my life in the work of God. I don't wanna to get to the end of the workday and be like, man, there were a lot of grapes on the vine that I could have gathered, but I was lazy and too casual. Understanding that. That matters for eternity. And then I wanna challenge you. We are called to compassion. We are made for a mission and we are saved to serve. God has uniquely gifted every one of you, talents and abilities and time and relationships and every single thing God has put in your life, he has put into your life for the purpose of serving him. Don't hold back. You only have a short amount of time. Now let's give everything we've got to God. Find your place. Be your part within the church. The, the church is the greatest avenue for God to work in other people's lives. The church is what God has put into this world to change the world. And right now you have the privilege of being part of the greatest world-changing agent that has ever existed for all of history. And that is through the local church. We have the hope of the world because we carry the message of Jesus and we carry the love of Jesus and we are ambassadors of the king of the universe and we get the privilege of seeing people's lives change and you get the opportunity to participate in that so don't hold back join do your part become your part in serving God through sacrificial generosity God I give you myself and I'm holding nothing back I promise you when you say yes to becoming your part within the local church hopefully nearly all of you will say yes to serving within the life house get involved in a ministry 
Get involved in an outreach opportunity. Go on a mission trip. Give to missions. Give to the church. Participate in what God is doing in and through our church by impacting the world around us. You only get one shot at this. Let's give it all we have. And so I want to challenge you right now. I truly believe God is speaking by his spirit to your heart. You've probably fallen in one of two categories. First, you haven't even showed up on the ready to work yet. Maybe you think that God is greedy. I promise you he's generous. Maybe, maybe you thought God was gonna cheat you. I promise you, God will give you far more than you could possibly imagine. And so your moment is to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I'm willing to become a laborer in your vineyard. I'm willing to believe in you by faith and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if that's where you're at, then you take your moment to say yes to Jesus. You can cry out to him like a thief on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Would you make that your prayer? For others of you, you believe in Jesus. It's a privilege, not a punishment to serve him. Would you say yes to serving him with joy, with passion, with enthusiasm, and give him everything you have? And so I want you to take a moment right now and pray. And simply say yes to him. One of the most powerful prayers you will ever pray is, yes, Jesus. Would you take a moment right now? Just close your eyes and let him speak to you across all of our campuses. Would you just bow your head right now? Would you pray? Would you say yes to Jesus? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.